listening to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Laura Weber Davis. And I'm Jake Neer. We're filling in for Stephen Henderson today. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're happy that you're with us. Uh, Smartphones and small devices. That's what we're going to spend the first part of the show talking about. Interactive screens have become a part of how we operate in the world in a very short window of time. They've become so popular. The first generation of iPhone, a game changer in the industry, was introduced just 10 years ago. And yet it's hard to imagine a professional or personal world that doesn't include smartphones and tablets across a broad swath of the population. Even if you don't own a smartphone, you've undoubtedly become familiar with seeing people walk down the street with their eyes trained to their screen or sit in a world of their own off to the side in a very public place. Well, that sense of isolation is particularly acute for teenagers, according to new research by our next guest, Jean Twangy. Jean authored a new book coming out August 22nd. It's called iGen, Why Today's Super-Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood. Jean is also a professor of psychology at San Diego State University. But before we get into our conversation with Jean, we want to hear from you. Are you a parent who's concerned about the amount of time that your child spends on their smartphone or tablet? Have you seen a change in your kid's behavior because of the time that they spend on social media? Or, now because you're not back in school yet, or maybe you're get, just getting there, <laughs> uh, if you're a teenager, we want to hear from you as well. How do you and your friends use your smartphone Do you think that kids your age spend too much time on their phones, or is it just too much a part of your social world to even imagine living without it? 313-577-1019 is the phone number to call. 313-577-1019. We'll get to your calls in just a few minutes, but first, let's bring in Jean Twangy. Jean, welcome to the program. Thank you. So let's start um, with this idea. Jake and I are both of the sort of millennial generation, older millennials, Um, And we didn't grow up with cell phones or smartphones, rather, being a part of our everyday existence. And the thing I can think of most specifically as a direct comparison and when I was growing up is my parents talking about television just starting to come out or color television being the new thing in their neighborhoods when they were growing up. And I just thought to myself – that's ridiculous. I can't imagine a world without television. And now we're sort of reaching that point with a new generation of teenagers who can't imagine a world without small screens and these personal devices that can consume them with the Internet. Yeah, exactly. So I, I define iGen as being born between 1995 and 2012. So they are, well, first, because they were born in 95, the Internet was commercialized in 1995. So they're also the first generation to have never known a world without the internet, and the vast majority can't even remember a time without smartphones. So that's really had ripple effects across their lives because smartphones have changed the way we spend our time and the way we live so much, and that's particularly true for iGen teens and young adults. So what kind of, you talk a lot in your article about the complications that creates the sort of Especially, especially a sense of isolation. You know, I can't. I think that all of us, when we go through high school, feel a lot of anxiety about clicks, about uh, feeling like there is an aggression, a certain amount of aggression that is waged against from teenager to teenager, bullying, etc. But this, to me, seems like it's less about uh, an element of bullying that's created, and it more a, a, a particular type of isolation that didn't exist. 
Yeah, it it is because you know people often focus on cyberbullying when they think about the negative effects of phones, but that's really only the tip of the iceberg. The real key um, in trying to figure out how screens have affected people is to look at how teens and, for that matter, adults are spending their time and then how that affects their well-being and their mental health. So that's what I really took a careful look at in writing iGen was, okay, let's look at um, teens and see how much time that they spend on electronic devices, on social media, on texting, um, versus how much time they spend with their friends in person. And then how happy are they? How lonely are they? How depressed? And sure enough, the teens who spend more time on screens and social media and less time um, with their friends in person are the least happy and the most depressed and the most lonely. Yeah, Gene, in, in your article in The Atlantic, you talk about this moment in 2012, and you've been looking at different generations and the patterns of behavior and so forth, but you notice in 2012 a dramatic shift in behavior between generations. Uh, and you said this is exactly the moment when the proportion of Americans who owned a smartphone surpassed 50 percent. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting how it came about. I mean, it's kind of your classic sort of stumbling on something in science story because, you know, I keep an eye on these big national uh, surveys of, of teens that are, are done every year for my research on generations. And I did start to notice that just some, some sudden changes around 2012, and I wonder if they were a blip that would go away, but they didn't. They just kept going in the same direction. Um, and you know, it was more loneliness, more depression, less happiness, less life satisfaction. And you know, looking at that, it made me wonder, well, wait a second, what, what could cause it? It wasn't the economy, because the economy was getting better by 2012. Um, and then I started to you know, analyze this data on, on um, technology and also then found this Pew Center report showing that at the end of 2012, that's when the majority of Americans got a smartphone. Hmm. And it kind of you know, was that moment of realization of, you know, that's the pattern that fits um, when you look at when um, these problems started to show up. It was right around the times that smartphones became really prevalent. Right. This This also sort of though, uh, makes my, my skeptic uh, light go off. And just when it comes to the association, we often like to associate correlation with causation. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what is the, the hard evidence, though, that these genera- generational differences are actually caused by smartphones? You know, yeah. as much sense yeah. as that does seem to make on the surface, of course. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked, because it's very true. That is always the challenge in looking at um, research over time. Just because two things changed at the same time doesn't mean one causes the other. Uh, and also, that's also the challenge with uh, looking at correlational research, which is the analysis that I did with, with teens, is those who are spending more time on the phone, uh, more likely to be depressed. Well, so there, what you have to ask is, okay, well, maybe it's the kids who are depressed who are mm-hmm. then using social media. Well, fortunately, there's been um, three other good studies looking at this. Um, two of them follow people over time and see what happens first. Is it the social media use that then leads to the um, depression, or is it the depression that leads to social media use? Both of those longitudinal studies find it's social media leading to depression, not the other way around. Mm. Then there's another that's called the Facebook experiment, and they had adults um, either give up Facebook for a week 
or continue their normal Facebook use. And those who gave up Facebook at the end of the week were happier, less lonely, (laughs) and less depressed. And that's a random experiment. So that actually can show causation. So although my studies are are more correlational, I had to rely on, okay, what does it look like among individuals? Does the pattern fit over time? There are these other studies that uh, more definitively point toward a causal role for uh, screens and social media in uh, lowering psychological well-being. You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Laura Weber-Davis, co-hosting today with Jake Neer. We're speaking with Jean Twangy. She's the author of iGen, Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and com- Completely Unprepared for Adulthood. That book is out August 22nd. Jean also recently published an article in The Atlantic Magazine called Have Smartphones Destroyed a Generation? It's Really Worth Your Time and Your, uh, your Read and Your Eyeballs. Jean is a professor of psychology at San Diego State University. And Jean, I I wanted to ask about this being completely unprepared for adulthood. Um, My husband and I are sort of at an impasse over screen time. We have a two and a half year old daughter. And from the very beginning, he has always said that the sooner we can get our child exposed to modern technology and the sooner we can get her uh, sort of proficient in all the things that are available and at our disposal, Certainly in a world where we are becoming more reliant in our work lives on these devices, uh, the better off she will be. And I'm sort of of the opposite philosophy that she should be away from screens as much as we can and that she should be engaging with the outdoor world and with the other people who are around her more often. And obviously this is about balance, but in the long run – especially when it comes to teenage years, what are the benefits versus the, the, the sort of the negative effects that these devices have on kids? And is there a benefit to them being so much a part of that social media or that technological world that it will help them in the long run, even if there is the isolation that is created now? Yeah. You know, there's, there's plenty of time to learn what to do on screens. And it usually doesn't take that much time for people to learn it, especially of this generation. American Academy of Pediatrics comes down on that side um, for for kids like um, your child's age. Uh, And then in terms of teens, the, for at least, at least for social media, the negative effects on mental health are bigger for the younger kids. They're bigger for eighth graders than for 12th graders, for example. So I think there's a lot to be said for putting off social media and smartphones as long as possible. So my oldest is 10, and um, she and her sisters have asked um, for a long time, you know, when am I going to get my own phone? My middle one started asking me that when she was six. Mommy, when can I have a phone? Because they see us using them. They look fun, I guess. Sure. Um, And at first... I was, okay, you know, maybe, maybe sixth grade when you go to middle school. But then after I started doing this research, I started to revise that opinion. And I'm going to put off a smartphone until high school, Hmm. maybe even 10th grade. Um, And if we really feel that our oldest needs one when she starts taking the bus, we're going to try to get her a flip phone. She has to have some way to communicate with us. Um, But, you know, kids have ridden the bus for generations without flip phones. Maybe she doesn't even need that. Um, And if she feels that she really needs to be on social media to communicate with friends in terms of like setting up, you know, parties and events and so on, she can do that from my desktop. Um, 
a couple of, uh, you know, minutes a day if or, you know, half an hour. Up to an hour or so of um, social media or screen use per day doesn't seem to have negative effects. It's two hours and beyond. But, mm-hmm. of course, most teens and adults are on, are on smartphones a lot more than that. Right. And, and at what level of pain as a parent, uh, you know, what are sort of the pushback that you're getting as a parent from your oldest? Or does she understand, like, well, this is what mommy researches and maybe she knows best <laughs> on this subject? I mean, she's still she's still facing now an increasing amount of, of peer pressure, I imagine, with her friends getting phones. So, so what is the the loggerheads as far as, like, yeah. the battle set up in, in your home over that? Well, you know, she so she finished fourth grade this year, and she told me that about half the kids in her class already had a smartphone, which mm. I thought was incredible, nine- yeah. and ten-year-olds. Um, but they were also starting to use a social media app um, called Musical.ly. That's the one that happens to be popular with uh, kids her age. And she has told me, even even before I started doing the you know this research really heavily, she said, "Mommy, I don't I don't like it. Kids are mean to each other on it." Yeah. So she she already knows, and I, I have I noticed this too in the teens who I interviewed in depth that they all said I'd rather see my friends in person. Um, several of them talked about the downsides of social media. My favorite probably being the high school junior who said, oh, yeah, they say on Facebook, I'm grateful for my bestie. You're not grateful for your bestie. Next week she's going to steal your boyfriend. You guys are going to be scratching your eyes out. Hmm. It, it was really interesting to me how this generation who's never known any other world is still very aware of the downsides. Right. Yeah, there was a, there was an interesting quote in your article from uh, a 13-year-old that you uh, call Athena, although mm-hmm. that's a, a name that you've uh, given her it's for the article, name, yeah. right? Um, that she says, we didn't have a choice to know any life without iPads or iPhones. And I think our phones, uh, we, we, I think we like phones more than we like actual people. It sounds almost like uh, the, her perspective is that this is something that is, that happened to her, that, you know, that, that you know, that, that it was kind of forced upon Thrust her upon in some her. ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was, she was obviously very insightful for her age. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really kind of blew me away that, you know, 13, she has net, she can't, can't remember a time before smartphones existed. Um, and I think a lot of teens feel that way, that it, it feels mandatory to be on the phone and to respond. And I'm hearing this just from people emailing me about their kids. And I keep hearing this over and over that a lot of teens recognize just how stressed out um, their phones are making them. And that, yeah, it's, it is almost something that happened to them. Um, and it's very difficult for them to try to escape it. And that's, that's the other part of this. Smartphones and social media are addictive. There are studies looking at this that they light up the same areas of the brain and end up with the release of the same brain chemicals as drug addiction. Right. Yeah, that and- it, it, it becomes something like a drug addict where it's not really pleasurable anymore, but, it's, but you have to do it. And that's how a lot of teens and young adults talk about their phones. Yeah. You, you said that they actually use uh, the, the language that addicts use when they were talking to you. That's really, really uh, kind of scary. I, I think a lot of the things that we've been talking about here are a lot of the negative aspects of these genera- generational changes that you've associated with smartphone use. But I guess we should also note that uh, as you say in the article, that some of these changes are actually positive. Uh, some, of course, are negative, and many are both. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one example of that is that teens are now growing up more slowly. 
So things that adults do that kids don't, like working, driving, dating, going out without your parents, having sex, drinking alcohol, teens are less likely to do that now. Fewer teens are doing those things. Um, 18-year-olds look like what 15-year-olds used to look like 10 or 20 years ago. So they're taking longer to engage in both the pleasures and the responsibilities of adulthood. And it's an interesting picture because a lot of people say, well, that's great. You know, they're not drinking and and not having sex. That's a really good trend. Absolutely, it is. Um, But then there's the flip side of mom and dad's driving them around. They've never earned their own money. Uh, I found in, in the book that there's an increasing percentage who don't even get an allowance. So if they, they're 18-year-olds, and if they want to buy something, mom and dad have to buy it for them. They don't know how to manage their own money. And then they get to college where they have to manage money, where there's lots of sex and alcohol around, and they don't know what to do. And that's what a lot of college administrators are, are telling me about their iGen students. Uh, Jean, we have just a, another minute left, and before you go, I want to talk a little bit about the parental responsibility on this. Uh, it's very easy as a parent, especially now, to sort of cast on children or on teenagers what their behavior is doing and how it reflects on them. But I also wonder if there is an element of parents um, allowing for some of this phone usage or ownership because of a, an element of pacification. When you're ta- mm-hmm. when we're talking about um, kids be- feeling like they can control the environment that their kids are in, not only because the kid's no longer complaining, my friends all have iPhones and I don't, but also because you know where your kid in- is. They're mm-hmm. in the, the room down the hall. Now, right. you don't know what room they're in on the Internet, right? but you know where their physical being is, and there is an element of uh, security in that. And with younger kids... If you're trying, if you've already worked a 10-hour workday, you come home and you want to make dinner for the family and the kid's running around, you want to sit them down in front of a screen and make sure that they're just being quiet and staying out of your way. So I feel like there is a part of parental ownership that needs to be taken here as well um, as far as how do we adjust our behavior to make sure that kids are living in the healthiest environment that they can, even if it means maybe more uh, time or strain on, on us as parents. Exactly. So I think there's a lot of parents who are worried about their kids driving and going out and drinking. Well, you actually have less to worry about these days when it, when it comes to those things. Kids are less likely to do those things now. Um, plus, I think what is sometimes missing in these Um, decisions is that teens hanging out with their friends is not a waste of time. They're building valuable social skills and it's really beneficial for their mental health. And I think there's a temptation to say, oh, you know, they're they're in their room, they're safe, um, they're looking at their phones um, and communicating with their friends that way and, and that's the same and I can have the best of both worlds. But that's, that's not the case. That electronic communication is just not as satisfying, not as protective for mental health as actually being with somebody face-to-face. So I think in many ways parents are worrying about the wrong thing. They're worrying about kids going out when they should be worrying about kids going in and looking at that screen. Do you think this, this is overall a thing that can be adjusted for as we learn more about these smart devices in our lives, that that, that 
as a society, we can adjust for some of the negative ramifications that this is having on a, a younger generation? I, I, th- I think we can. Um, you know, I did draw some hope from the iGen teens who I interviewed who were aware of some of these negative consequences, which suggests that they'd be willing to uh, work together with older generations to come up with some solutions. So I think the key is moderation. Um, smartphones are wonderful conveniences and sources of information, and they really make our lives easier in so many different ways. But we need to use them in the ways that benefit us and then try to put that phone away and be present in our lives um, the rest of the time and try not to be slaves to that phone. Jean Twangy, she's the author of iGen, Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood. That book comes out on August 22nd. Jean, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And please, if you'd like to join the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. How are you interacting with your kids when it comes to their social media and their smart devices, iPads, iPhones, any kind of smartphone? 313-577-1019. Give us a call and we'll talk to you next. News, music, culture, and community. Every day. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET. Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today. Hello, I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Laura Weber-Davis. We're filling in for Stephen Henderson today. We just heard from author and researcher Gene Twangy about this dramatic generational shift in behavior and about data suggesting it's related to smartphone use. She says teens are more depressed, they're more isolated, they're also drinking and using drugs less, teen pregnancy is down. Um, all in all, though, it seems adolescence is delayed for many modern teenagers, and Twangy suggests smartphones are probably to blame. Now, we want to hear from you. If you're a teenager, how do you think smartphones affect your life and your behavior? Uh, if you're a parent, how do you handle your kids' interactions with smartphones and social media? And whether you have kids or not, how is your life or your behavior affected by your own smartphone use or lack thereof? And again, we want to hear from you. Please call us. The number is 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. Just, you know, tell us where your head is at when it comes to this discussion, because there's a lot of different things, uh, a lot of aspects here, some positive, some negative. We just want to hear how this affects you. Um, And you can also drop us a comment. Comment on Facebook, uh, go to our uh, Facebook page at WDT, or you can also hashtag on Twitter, Detroit Today. And uh, we also want to uh, go right to the phones here. So, Kim in Westland, you're on Detroit Today. Welcome. Kim? Hi, thanks for... Yes, go ahead. Thanks for taking my call. I just have a... a, I am curious whether parents have seen or sensitive That's interesting. Yeah, so so Kim, and this is interesting because it's something that I've I've thought about too. Is that it, whether or not uh, social media or the internet sort of allows 
kids who otherwise wouldn't want to socialize with with other people their age or go out in groups have some sort of social anxiety gives them a little bit uh, give them it gives them an, an experience and an opportunity to interact with people without having to deal with that but also you're not dealing with that as well right uh, that's a really interesting question I think that what what also about Gene Twangy's research shows is that it really <clears throat> has to do with yes a propensity to uh, maybe 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 you have social skills that are a disability or um, that are just not you're not ready to engage with uh, your peers all the time but that it's clear that the marker regardless of disability was mm-hmm. sort of based on screen time it was that sort of two hour marker that she was talking right. about that kids who spend two or more hours on their screen are going to have more problems versus the kids who spend less time. And maybe kids with social disabilities are are driven more to that. But it's sort of across the board. I think that's right. what's most concerning about it for me as a parent is that it's, it seems to be across the board with all kids and that they can all be easily drawn into it. Let's get back to the phones. Eric in Farmington Hills. Eric, welcome to the program. What's your experience? Hi. Well, first of all, Laura, here's, here's a funny little story. Sure. Is that uh, my kids, as they began high school, my wife and I used to say all the time, call them. You don't need to text. You can call. And my older son just said, Dad, you just don't understand our generation. We don't make phone calls. Right. I never thought I'd get that response. Yeah. Um, but uh, one observation I have with at least one of my sons, who's more of the introverted one, he, uh, I mean, he, he's knowledgeable, he loves reading and uh, soaking in information, uh, but it seems like he's always isolating himself and on his phone or tablet, reading things on Reddit and, 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 uh, and emails or, or magazines, which is good, but there's got to be a limit. And even though we try and have a no-phone policy during meals... Right. Uh, there are times where he's looking down at the table, and I know he's got his phone under the table, and he's reading, and yet <laughs> here we are, the family, Sneaking. As, yeah. as, as, meal, as, as full family meals get uh, less frequent. Well, let me ask you this, Eric. How do, how do you try and talk to your son about the the importance of not having the screen in front of his face all the time? What are the sort of conversations happening at home, aside from... We don't want meals to include phones or tablets. What are the larger conversations you guys are having at home? Well, some of them are, are just, you know, trying. Well, the boys are both in college now, so it's mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, hello, we're here. You're, you know, you're going to be back at school or whatever. We want to, you know, we want you to talk to us. So it's one, it's sort of an emotional type thing. Right. But I, it, uh, which doesn't always work. Um, so trying to move it to more of a professional, you know, personality thing. Okay, you're going to be get, you know, you're you're going to have jobs. You can't just you have to interact, and this and pers- interpersonal skills are important. Important. There's a lot of yeah. teamwork and projects, and you you can't just do it on your own. Yeah. And so trying to convince him that instead of, you know, I'm constantly doing this, it's really important for him and 
his future is to, while it's helpful to read and it's good for some alone time, right? Yeah, it, yeah. there's got to be a limit. Yeah. You know, they, thank you, Eric. I appreciate your phone call, Jake. What you know, something that I'm I'm interested to hear from parents today too is is there a concern about when you have kids who you want to get their your their their smartphones out of their hands, you want them to spend less time on social media, but because smartphones are so ubiquitous. Uh, especially among that that age group, um, is there also a risk, uh, at least as it going through your head, of maybe that's also isolating because all their friends also are. This is where they are. So if you're not interacting with them, are you interacting with anyone otherwise? Right. Is, is, if that makes sense. Um, and But the thing about Gene Twangy's research that I thought was really interesting is it did show that kids who spend less than this two hours a day on their smartphones or uh, it, it, that they are happier, so right. that especially if they're playing sports and right. out in social, like sort of forced social situations, exactly yeah. organized social situations. <laughs> right. All right, let's go back to the phones. Michael in Woodhaven, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. How are you today? Good. Uh, what's your comment this morning? Uh, well, my concern is about family monitoring, of course, uh, and they we've made a great point already. You were talking about two hours or less of screen time, but uh, I think it's about how we inspire our our youth. I think we got lost into the first generational push of smartphones and tablets and, and people got lost in the wonder of it. But now we see what it can do and we have an opportunity to take the next generation, the younger ones, and inspire them to do things that don't include the smartphone. And we can take that as an opportunity to teach versus being lost in it. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, Michael, for that perspective. I think that you are not alone in, in that. Uh, I'd, I'd really like to get to Benjamin here in Oak Park. Benjamin, welcome to the program. Benjamin? Oh, hi. hi. Yes, I know. You got on quickly. So I, I wanted, yeah, to, I wanted yeah, to get yeah. to you before the break. We have just 30 seconds, so I wanted to get um, your perspective. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm 24, and I'm someone that can't stand being on their phone. And I go on dates, and I'm with people, and it's like I'm not even there with them. Oh, that's engaging. <laughs> they're just stuck on their phone. Yeah. And it sucks for me because I'm a photographer and I have to work the whole social media aspect of it. Right. And I'm absolutely terrible at it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, so, I don't think that you're alone in not enjoying your phone. There's certainly an element of pushback in certain groups. My mom has had the same flip yeah. phone for well, the past 12 years. So. Including <laughs> teens that Gene uh, Twangy talked to said it sounds right. like they're, they're, they're getting sort of tired of it. <laughs> so I think it'll be interesting to follow up with Gene in a decade and see if there <laughs> is a pushback that sort of changes this shift we've had. I'd also like to know how many people called us on their smartphones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up there for the moment, but this is certainly an ongoing conversation, and we want to hear more from you on Facebook. Please go to WDET's Facebook page and talk to us more about it. It's something that Jake and I are always thinking about and reading about. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Game of Thrones. I hope that you're as interested in it as I am, so stay with us.